Well, hello out there, planet Earth, and happy Friday. TGIF, everybody. Hope you got a chance to enjoy National French Friday this week. If you didn't, time fries. There's always next year. Anyway, it's Friday. And it's always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. ICYMI, or in case you missed it, SMB stands for Small and Medium-Sized Businesses. For the last 20 years, I've been a consultant for SMBs, a voice and a sounding board for business leaders, advocating on their behalf, their employees as well. I believe very strongly in sharing stories, providing perspective, and creating connection. So, every single Friday, you can find me right here, talkradio.myc, doing just that, lending what's left of my mind and my voice to this radio show where I interview SMB leaders and their trusted advisors. One thing that I've noticed over the years is that some of the best thought leadership for SMBs actually happens on Friday when we feel that freedom of the weekend coming. However, we're also anxious to start the weekend. These crucial pearls of wisdom, they're often overlooked, they're forgotten, they're swept under the rug in favor of our fun weekend activities and our freedom from work. Here on the show, we take advantage of that weekend freedom and clarity, and we discuss popular topics that are on the minds of SMB leaders and their advisors. The name of the show, once again, not just to play on words, My last name means free in German. Nice fun fact for everybody. Got my shades on, ready to roll. Today's episode of Always Friday brought to you once again by SDA Wealth Strategies, a boutique financial services firm located in Hudson Valley, New York, offering personal wealth management and comprehensive business solutions for clients. SDA stands for Simplifying Financial Lives, Designing Financial Strategies, and Advocating to Implement Them. SDA offers a concierge experience for individuals and businesses, the firm's highest priority is always their clients' best interests while empowering people and businesses to be proactive and to thrive today, tomorrow, and beyond. To learn more, visit sdawealthstrategies.com. Again, this week, Wednesday, was National French Friday. It's funny, I had that poster growing up that said, just in case you need a, an excuse to party, 365 days a year, all different reasons to party. I don't remember this one actually being on there, but... I love uh, play on words using my last name, so I hope everybody had a great National French Friday. As far as having reasons to party every day, you know, nowadays, kids come home and they're able to get anything at their fingertips. Digital access via the phones, via the iPads has created a lot of access to information and also a lot of interesting complexities in being a parent. So we're here to talk about today, parenting in the digital age. Whether we are looking at our personal or business lives, we all use smartphones, tablets, and computers to support all of our daily tasks. These days, our kids rely on technology for learning and nearly all aspects of their lives. While it really is the new norm, there's definitely a need for an important balance of developing minds and the technologies that support our lives. Our special guest today is a clinical psychologist who not only specializes in the treatment of young adults, he also speaks frequently to large groups of parents and companies about the impact of the digital world on child human development and mental health. Talk is cheap. Well, unless you're speaking with attorneys or therapists, right? We're on talkradio.myc. We don't want this to just be talk. The goal, once again, let's use the insight on the business landscape and create more impact on Monday morning. It is far too often these days where SMBs are focused on the product that's going to solve all of their problems, the shiny new mousetrap, the magic wand. One consistent thing I see out there every day, products change all the time in everything that we do, both personal and business. There's no substitute for surrounding yourself with the right people first keeping a focus on the process that's going to help you achieve your goal. If you do that, the right products and widgets, they will present themselves when they're needed. Everything begins and ends with the people. So in the spirit of surrounding yourself with the right people, very excited for this discussion. Our special guest is none other than Dr. Adam Pletter, clinical psychologist and founder of iParent 101. So Dr. Pletter, licensed clinical psychologist in his 21st year of private practice and has been a digital dad for over 17 years. Received his doctoral degree from the George Washington University, specializes in the treatment of children, adolescents, and young adults from his Bethesda, Maryland office. Dr. Pletter consults with parents as well as technology companies to balance the many benefits of the digital world with healthy child development and mental health. Very, very passionate about this space. I don't think it's a secret. Parenting is tough. And parenting digital natives brings on even more challenges. Directly from the clinical office, his practice, 
came iParent 101, a course to show parents how to protect your family from such things as cyberbullying, self-esteem issues related to social media, viewing inappropriate content online, sexual predators, and much, much more. Dr. Pletter created the digital iParent 101 course in the form of an ebook as well, and is also available for live speaking engagements. Dr. Pletter's practice has a very simple goal, to offer clear, concrete strategies designed to support you, the digital parent, navigate modern family life. He helps digital parent, he helps busy parents learn how to protect and mentor children, combining basic parental controls with proven behavior modification techniques to empower these digital families. Let Dr. Pletter and iParent 101 help you learn how to create enforceable boundaries with this. He is definitely the best person to chat about this topic with. Uh, as always, we're going to discuss my favorite questions. Who's your favorite movie or TV show character? What's your favorite movie or TV show? What's your favorite musical instrument? And who's the artist you'd like to hear play it? Coming to us this morning from my old stomping grounds down the Capitol Beltway from the University of Maryland, Dr. Pletter, welcome to Always Friday, my friend. Great to see you. Awesome. Thanks. So that was a great intro. Wow, I could just sit back and listen to all that. That was great. Thank you. I really appreciate appreciate you having me on. It's great to have you here, man. It, Dr. Pletter, it's it's rare that I get this excited to speak with a, psychi- a psychologist or psychiatrist, <laughs> but the work that you're doing is very impactful, and I think that most people with children can really identify with it. But let's give everyone a taste of, of your journey. How did you get yeah. where you are today? All right, so I'll, I'll give you the, the relatively short version. Um, I graduated uh, George Washington University uh, doctoral program, clinical psychology in 2001, and pretty quickly started my private, private practice that year here in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, if you think about 2001, there was the internet, but there wasn't iPhones, there wasn't that kind of thing. So my early clinical work was a lot of uh, individual therapy, family uh, parenting sessions, and about two or three uh, years into my practice, uh, two things happened. Uh, the digital world kind of exploded with the iPhone, and I became a parent myself. Uh, my firstborn was uh, born in 2004. So again, convergence of a couple of different pieces came together. Uh, as I was trying to figure out how to be a parent myself, all this book knowledge wasn't all that helpful uh, when it comes <laughs> to my own parenting. Um, so I had to hit the road and uh, or hit the ground running and kind of figure out how to best manage uh, my own parenting style and make it as effective as possible for my own child. Uh, At the same time, again, um, that was happening in my office with lots and lots of families that I was working with. And so a lot of the clinical work started to shift. Um, You know, tantrums, it wasn't just about turning off the TV or basic video games. All of a sudden, kids started to have, they were iPod touches at the time, Mm -hmm. uh, more than phones. Uh, then iPads, and then all the laptops really started to become more and more mobile. Um, basic advice of having uh, uh, having uh, the computer or whatever in a public place, that was a very common recommendation at the time, so parents knew what the kid, that just became unrealistic as the kids were running around the house and outside the house, and everywhere they went, they had some type of screen pretty quickly with them. So, um I, uh, that's how it started, um, in my office, trying to come up with strategies to help all these families and myself, I'm going to keep throwing that in here. Mm -hmm. It was definitely a personal, uh, mission there that, that drove a lot of this, uh, uh, about 2015, uh, I, I was doing it long enough at that point in my office where I started to do it, uh, live in person in front of, uh, audiences, uh, and then 2017, that's where the online course came in. It was a full two-hour course, bringing parents up to speed. At that point, I talked a lot about digital immigrant parents because we didn't grow up with it. I kind of used that model, and our children were digital natives. That obviously has shifted a lot now where there's plenty of digital parenting natives on the scene now. Um, we could talk more about that and how that shift has, has changed my work and my understanding um, and then since 2017, with the live, uh, 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 the online course, and then speaking live, I also started traveling around uh, the country and made contacts around the world. I have contacts in Australia and Paris and uh, India. Um, lots of uh, it's a, this is an international um, a mission trying to really help human evolution. Um, 
I don't know if it's too early for that level of, of thinking, but um, <laughs> the digital world is not going away and the impact on child development and mental health w- is here to stay. And my job and my hope is that over time, uh, we're as humans going to be uh, equipped to manage uh, the, the level of impact of the digital world on our, on our human evolution. I don't think it's ever too early to really think about how to best help the human race, especially with what's going on these days. You have something posted on your on your website that I wanted to just uh, throw out there to everybody real quick, and you alluded to it just now. We are in charge of safeguarding, protecting, and managing our children in today's screenage, but we, the parents, are digital immigrants. Our children know more than us, and that's not going to change. Parents born in the 70s and 80s, like us, hold a unique historical position. We are, in fact, in charge of the digital world, but we were the last generation to grow up without the Internet, which creates a parenting problem. Our children were born into this digital world. They're using electronic devices such as iPads and iPhones at such an early age. So how can we be in charge of teaching them when we are the digital parenting pioneer? I, I, I really like the way you worded that. Right. And again, I think it, that's still relevant now because there's still many digital parents, digital immigrant parents. I, call, I, I also call us pi- pioneers, digital parenting pioneers. There's like there's a this is a whole new landscape uh, for parenting. Parenting is still parenting. And I want to k- keep coming back to that, um, that the idea of what we're trying to do here is to raise future adults. Okay, I'll pause there. I'll let that sink in for a second. This, again, I state the obvious a lot and people nod and say, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. Yes, you have. Of course, we're the whole point of parenting. Any parenting is to raise that child to be a successful, independent, hopefully as independent as possible um, adult in the next X amount of years, two years, five years, 10 years, depending on how old the kid is. Eventually, that kid is going to have to manage himself or herself or their self. And it, that's really the, the, the push. There is digital native parents now. And I don't know after the break, if you want to get into that, but you know, th- there's definitely uh, you know, a shift that, has, that is occurring as we speak. We are definitely going to get into that along with some of the other method behind the madness. That is Dr. Adam Pletter, clinical psychologist and founder of iParent 101. Stay with us, everybody. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fye, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back, everybody. It's Friday. It's always Friday. 
And it's me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with Dr. Adam Pletter, clinical psychologist and founder of iParent 101, talking about parenting in the digital age. Some great tidbits from uh, Dr. Pletter to kick things off here. He uh, mentioned a couple of things that I just wanted to sit out and reflect on by the fire pit here for just a moment. You, know, you mentioned the the eye touch before from the uh, early 2000s, mid 2000s. You know, the whole, this whole idea of of digital parenting. It's it's been on my mind a lot these days. I mentioned many times on the show that my uh, my daughter's off at sleepaway camp for the first time. I went when I was a kid. Great experience. Wanted her to have the same as well. I, I almost consider it more important for kids these days, just because there's really no devices. It's the first time she hasn't had some type of access to any of these devices. And all the pictures that I see, she's acting like a kid, like the way that I remember playing sports, making new friends, being sociable, being outside for the summer. My little one is home. She's going to day camp and I constantly have to pry her away from the screens. She gets home. She's looking for the iPad immediately. You know, there really needs to be some type of a happy median. My 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 older daughter was able to bring an iTouch to camp if she wanted to. That was the most complex of devices. We didn't get it for her. Like we we gave her the most basic of basic MP3 players that that reflects the old iPods from back in the day, so she could listen to music. She loves music, loves to dance, so definitely wanted her to have some tunes. You know, I don't want my kids to be left behind. I want them all to be I want them to be able to adopt the advancements in technology, but I also don't want them to be completely addicted. Yep. You can't you can't really leave them to their own devices, pun intended there. You have to partner with folks like Dr. Pletter, who's here with us right now. He's the right type of person to partner with to really facilitate the process for a successful outcome with children and with adolescents. So, Doc. This is the method part of the show when we get into the science behind what you do. So dive a little deeper for us into what you do, how you do it, and how you end up going to market for it. All right. So let me let me piggyback on that camp uh, example. Love to hear that your daughter's having a great time. Awesome pictures. So why is camp so amazing? <laughs> and, and why uh, are you investing and, and encouraging her to go? Um, it, it, it's a great analogy for what we're talking about here today. And that is that camp itself is not just a free-for-all. Camp, there's highly, highly, high structure. This is the agenda today. We have a morning meeting, typically. I don't know where, exactly where, which camp she's at, but the point is, there's, here's a meeting. This is what we're doing. This exciting thing is coming up, this thing. Then we're going to go swimming, and then we're going to want to do a field trip, and then we're going to go here. It's all highly structured and highly stimulating. And the human brain seeks out stimulation, okay? Seeks out stimulation. Things that stimulate us, I don't care who you are, um, you could have ADHD, you could have clinical anxiety, you could be typical, you know, neuro, uh, whatever, normal, whatever that is, there's no normal. But, you know, typical strengths and weaknesses, we all seek out stimulation. It's how our brains work. And the things that hold our attention are going to hold our attention when they're more stimulating. Um, lo and behold, these devices that at camp is, are not there, right? Because they want the kids to focus on other things, like having fun, running around, using other parts of your brain and body, not just thumbs and eyeballs and the visual cortex, right? Like they're at, you're out there having fun, finding things to stimulate. Sometimes playing tennis is exactly what that kid wants to do. Sometimes tennis, eh, I'm done with tennis. I want to do something else. And our brains get distracted. And then we, we tend to multitask because we're looking for more stimulation. Okay. If there's a phone nearby or any kind of device, phone just being a pocket-sized computer, literally, mm -hmm. um, that's a stimulation machine. So, you know, and, and again, tuned into their specific interests, typically, once you're on that, and then you add in some targeted advertising and, and, and videos and TikTok, it comes exactly for what you're looking for. Chances are, if you're on TikTok or any of these, even YouTube, they're showing you things that you're interested in. That's not a coincidence. It is brilliantly designed to focus in on what you're hovering over. And, you know, I'm not the first one to, to raise these these points. This is, this is out there. This is how these large tech companies work. And I consult into to several of them. And I can tell you firsthand, it's not devious. 
this is their model. This is how it works. And it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah. It has a major impact on, on us as humans, though, because it forces us, not really force, but it encourages us pretty forcefully to multitask. And so I don't remember your, your original question, but um, the, the idea of what we're seeking out pulls us in and then that we regulate around that. So the internet is very dysregulating. Mm-hmm. And so it helps us when there's something that we could focus on that's provided by the screen. So then we feel focused and that's where we talk about addiction. And, and so a lot of what I do, I have a full-time overflowing full-time private practice, right? And a lot of what I do there is on a clinical level, those are families that have sought me out where there's, there's an identified clinical problem. There's some real interference going on for that child on a day-to-day basis in interfering with their development, interfering with their daily functioning. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just have to be digital. I, I have a general practice that digital is, is almost universal where all families are dealing with that now uh, or trying to manage it or say dealing like it's all bad. It's, there's a lot of positive too, obviously. Sure. Um, so um so that's my practice, trying to help uh, families and young adults and adolescents manage some younger kids to manage what they have to manage, their schoolwork, their play, everything. How do they, on a, on a clinical level, how do I help them problem solve? On a non-clinical level, the more out, the iParent stuff is what, what has emerged in the last several years is problematic use. Universal mm-hmm. problematic use. It's still problematic, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a clinical problem. The child doesn't necessarily have ADHD because they like to be on their phone. ADHD being attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. That's yeah. a brain disorder. The prefrontal cortex, where the where the child or the young adult or the adult has a hard time hitting the brakes. They have a hard time regulating, holding back. And, that, and, and therefore, the phone serves that purpose because it gives them something to focus on, stimulating them. So that's, that's the line between my two kind of hats. As I said yesterday when we had a brief conversation, I wear – it's basically the same hat, but just kind of in a different way. Yeah, backwards Forward, and forwards, back, if you will. Ways, <laughs> um, and so the line of how I'm wearing the hat, so to speak – I don't know if that analogy works um, – is really the line of where the clinical problem is. But we're all as families, and again, I got two kids at home, we're all trying to figure out how to balance, how to, because again, there's trade-offs, there's compromises at every turn here. Um, And so it's really about balance, and I can get into that more. Yeah, definitely. I've always been an information junkie. That's just me. But I've always had the sentiment too that most of the population has some form of ADD or ADHD. And I feel like it's crazy rampant, like nowadays with the with the increase of all the technology. But, it, you know, there, there definitely comes a point where even if you are an information junkie, it, it's just too much. Like there needs to be some type of guardrails, you know, even whether you're talking about, you know, children, adolescents, or even adults, like I find myself getting sucked into some of the the marketing that's geared towards me and everything. It's before you know it, it's two and a half hours have gone by that I'm staring at the phone. That wasn't intended. So how do you, how do you go about, you know, process wise, like going to set up some of these, these guardrails for people? No, great question. I'm going to go back to camp. There there's guardrails at camp. There's a structure, there's an agenda. If you love volleyball, you could play volleyball for a part of the day. Chances are, unless it's a volleyball camp at some point, we have to shift to a new activity. It's lunchtime or it's whatever, quiet time or whatever. The, you know, we're doing something else now, which is healthy. Shifting our attention is healthy. When you're, um, when you're only focused on one thing, hyper-focusing, um, you know, that feels good because you're, hopefully it's something that you like to think about, something that you like to learn, information. There's endless information, literally limitless information on on the internet, right? That's, again, I'm stating the obvious, um, right? So it pulls us in. So the how really is about for each family or each business, because, again, we could talk about how the the difference between an employee and a child, guardrails, structure, limits, certain rules, 
having things clear? Are you allowed to, uh, in, a, in a business environment, be on Amazon shopping in the middle of the workday? Are there limits around that? Some companies have limits. Some companies have blocks. Some schools have blocks. Some don't. Um, so having some structure, having some enforceable way of setting limits, limits that are not enforceable are a waste of time and actually increase the negative feel to the whole situation. You just keep nagging and yelling, but you're not actually hitting um, or having a real guardrail there. Guardrails that are per, uh, uh, that you could just go through are worthless. So having real structure and limits help. So how what I've developed the how is having b- basic conversations with our children. Again, pretty obvious, right? Having a dialogue about what the child is doing, why they're doing it, what they want to do more of, what they want to do less of. Having a conversation, building some sort of media plan could be written down. It's helpful to refer back to. I used to call it a contract. That seems a little bit formal um, uh, because I work with a lot of attorneys. And then the amount of uh, lovely, well-intentioned parents that have come back to me with thick contracts and multiple pages (laughs) And I'm like, this is amazing, yet completely inappropriate. Don't do that. Keep it really basic. Nice, nice. Um, as you have on the screen there, keep it basic. But it's, it's, a, it's an outline of what we're expecting as parents and hopefully some input from the child of what they're expecting, what they're motivated by, right? It should be a little bit of a give and take there, not just this is the way it's going to be, because hopefully this should be fun and you're teaching them to manage this overwhelming environment, again, to be the future adult with a phone and whatever else, new technology, uh, mousetrap, whatever, that will be there in the future. So it's having some sort of clear set of rules and then having an ability to set limits, enforceable limits. And that's where I do lean on some technology companies for their parental controls. They're not perfect. Most of them, and I want to say all, but I'm going to be kind today. It's Friday. Um, <laughs> most of them are flawed. They don't work uh, as well as they really should and as they're designed to be. Um, I'm not going to pick on Apple because I love Apple. I use Apple the most, and that's what I get asked about the most. They have a really comprehensive suite of parental controls now that work most of the time, but you can't just set it and forget it. I don't know if you remember that commercial from the 80s. You can't. Yeah. This isn't Ronco. You can't just set it and forget it. You have to set it and, and then hopefully by setting it, that forces the dialogue between you and your child. So for, for example, really briefly, Apple has um, something that's in their screen time. Uh, you set it up with family sharing. I have a whole free YouTube video on this if you just look me up on YouTube, um, where if you set up screen time with family sharing, um, there's something that they call ask to buy where just, just really basically it forces the child, they find the thing on the app store. And instead of them just being on the back of the bus, doing whatever they wanted to do that they heard about without any discussion with their parent, they ask you. And so it could be all seamless through the device. It's all remote. You could look it up. You could talk to them. It forces them to let you know what they're doing. And then you, hopefully you say yes. And you just click your button and it goes to their phone and they're off and running. It it forces them to pause. It forces them to think, how am I going to convince my dad to let me get this? Why do I want this? Um, It forces them to slow down and regulate, which again is essential for healthy child development and mental health. Yeah, no question about it. And the most that we've we've done is we have the screen time limitation where it runs out and then they have to ask us for permission for more screen time. But well, that, 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 that's exactly that's in the right direction because it's forcing them to come talk to you. And I hope some of the time the answer is great. I'm glad you came to talk to me. Well, how much more do you need? 20 minutes? Depends on what they're doing. 20 minutes might be perfect. If they're playing Fortnite, they could probably get in one more game in. Um, or if they're just cruising on TikTok, 20 minutes, they'll go by quickly because they lose themselves in it. Um, but, but you know, that, that's great. It's pausing them to, to slow down and to think about what they're doing so, and to so, make choices. 
So you have these four big tips out there, which we're, I'm, I'm going to reiterate as we go into break here. You know, write a contract of sorts to increase the parent-child dialogue. Set up family sharing and the ask-to-buy piece. Set up content restrictions and built-in controls and third-party options. And then last but not least, be a model for your child. And this is one that I would look at as a good segue into the madness and some stories that we have cool. out there. Because even me, myself, like this one's tough. Sometimes I'm telling them to get off the iPad as I'm glued to my phone yep, and I, I feel very hypocritical doing it, but I want to, I want to, I want to be a good role model for them. And I'm a lot of times I'm addicted to it too, and I'm working and I'm busy, but you know, we'll, we'll get, we're going to get into more of the madness in just a moment here with Dr. Adam Pletter, clinical psychologist and founder of iParent 101. Stay with us. Howdy. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We're chatting with Dr. Adam Pletter, clinical psychologist and founder of iParent 101, kicking around ideas on parenting in the digital age. Some great stuff methodology-wise, both clinical and non-clinical from Dr. Pletter here in the method segment. We are now going to transition into the world of madness. So, Doc, this is the artistic observational part of the show here. I always I got to use the madness term a little lightly with a psycho- psychologist and psychiatrist, I assume. But, uh, you know, artistic observational part of the show, stories you have from the field, no subject to taboo. Obviously, we don't want to compromise patient client confidentiality or anything like that. But I'm, I'm sure you have no shortage of stories around this this topic of things that you've seen out there, uh, things as a result of the pandemic and even beforehand. But, you know, give us a little insight into the madness that you see around this. Absolutely. I just want to piggyback uh, what you, right before break, you are talking about modeling. Um, again, I'm a child of the 80s uh, and I grew up in the uh, New York metro area. Uh, there was a commercial, uh, I think it was drug, drug partnership. And it was, uh, I learned it by watching you, right? The kid who got, you had uh, marijuana in his closet. And that, that holds true. Um, they, they, they are watching us. They, they're learning everything from us um and their peers but so the modeling part is really really important so i just wanted to make sure that that was clear um i learned it by watching you so um yeah so uh just generally speaking uh i have as you said countless examples stories of what i hear both in my office and as i travel at least before the pandemic when i was traveling more um, I would speak for two, three hours, depending on the, um, the presentation, and then people would line up uh, to talk to me after. Um, mm-hmm. This is such a, um, a personal topic, but also universal that people are just 
craving some guidance and support around and people, and especially parents, not just digital immigrant parents, but all parents feel helpless. And it's that powerless feeling of what are we supposed to do? Especially when your child is off in this kind of other environment that we don't really fully know about, understand. We don't know who they're talking to. Um, and I try not to come up with alarming kind of everyone hears about these crazy, tragic stories. I'm not going to go there today. Um, there's that they're out there and you could use your imagination of how dangerous the unfiltered adult Internet is for children sure. unsupervised. Again, I don't think we need uh, too much of an imagination there. I'm going to start off with other examples, other basic examples of even even with the modeling online gambling. Okay. You know, this is nothing to do with the pandemic. It's definitely boosted even more. But DraftKings, there's commercials. You know, if you're a sports kid um, and you're watching football on Sunday, every other commercial is for FanDuel, DraftKings. I'm a big fantasy football. I love fantasy football. Um, I, I, I do win quite a bit for anyone who's listening out there. It's, it's always a good feeling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just poking at my friends. Um, and but I, I work with tons of kids who also love uh, fantasy football. And it's, it's one thing to have a group of your friends that you're, you know, putting in 10 bucks with or whatever. And there's a, or you have to wear a Jersey if you lose or whatever, there's all kind of fun stuff. But if you start to go into what feels so benign and innocent where, you know, 10 bucks on a game or whatever DraftKings, it is, it's like a dealer, a pusher, you know, in the 1970s, they start you off, it's free. And then often it's with their parents' credit card that's saved on the phone. And again, the amount of families I've had in my office where not just in-app purchases, which is a whole other uh, can of worms of thousands of dollars spent on Minecraft and Fortnite and V-Bucks and name the game, they have some in-app purchases. That's a whole other can of worms that needs to be addressed. Yes. But I'm thinking just in terms of fantasy football, the amount of true gambling going on with young kids is, is I think you'd be astounded and, and, and concerned. And so that's one quick uh, thing that comes up on my office. If there's any level of clinical impulsivity, meaning impulsivity is um, decisions based on emotion and impulse is an emotion. So I often talk to kids about two sides of our brains, a thinking side that takes in information through our five senses and we make decisions. Even those decisions, there's compromises, there's trade-offs. You get things and you give things up. So there's thinking decisions that still have compromise, but then there's emotional impulsive decision-making that is prevalent in children. It's nor that's normal. Child development, that prefrontal cortex, that front part of our brains that make us adult humans, that to be able to manage ourselves and think ahead and, and regulate our emotions, that doesn't develop until you're about 25 or 30. I say that constantly. I don't know why that's true for humans on this planet, why we have to be 25 for our brains to fully develop, but that's what the, the, the other scientists tell me. Um, and, and so I, and I see it in my office. That's why car, car rental companies don't rent to people under 25. Because statistically, there's a higher chance of, of more money that they have to pay out. It, all, it often comes back down to money and safety. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's more dangerous when you're younger driving a car. This car is dangerous. Um, so, um, so, uh, so having the, the, the children... Um, have some help in managing themselves is really important. So knowing, is there a credit card saved on your account? Does your child have access to it? Do you have an ask to buy system in place, as I said earlier? So they have to ask you permission, even for those in-app purchases, because those apps are so easy and they have thought this through, had to get the child uh, using whatever credit card is in them. Um, there could be a gift card put in if you want your child to be um, or a debit card where there's a limit to how much they're able to invest. That's another thing in terms of investment. Um, Robinhood, there's all these apps now where, you know, in the business world, young and younger and younger kids who are interested in that, they're looking for the quick money. And they hear their story, they hear the stories of, oh, I can get this. And it hits their emotional center. And they don't have a good ability to hit the brakes, as I said earlier, because they don't have a fully developed braking system. 
prefrontal cortex. Um, other examples, just to be more general, over virtual learning with the pandemic, um, this idea of multitasking just takes off. There is no such thing really as multitasking for most humans. Mm-hmm. Most humans who multitask well and are in the younger generation have a lot of practice. Humans learn by doing with practice. So a child who grew up multitasking from day one uh, on an iPad, you know, you've seen those little tiny kids being able to flip around. Babies are able to know exactly where to go and flip. They're shifting attention very quickly. I'm focused on this, and now I'm focused on this, and now I'm back to this. It's shifting. That's what multitasking is. You're shifting from one activity, one thought to another, and then hopefully back because you chances are the original thought is not done. You've just gotten distracted by something else that stimulated you. Hopefully this is making sense based on what I had said earlier. Um, so virtual learning created a whole setup. Um, I'll speak for, you know, at least in my family where I had mm-hmm. two kids in their individual rooms or an office in the house in school during the pandemic and the amount of distractions or other things when the curriculum wasn't even changed, really, it was just online now and over Zoom, probably kind of boring, not really stimulating. And then the kids are um, looking for other things that are stimulating, including their bed, including um, gaming while they're in school on a different screen or maybe on the same screen. The amount of kids that I knew who had like four different screens in front of them where one of them was school, camera was probably off, and then <laughs> over here playing Call of Duty you know, in the middle of math class. It's this multitasking, shifting back and forth. Um, and then the last example that goes along with that um, is the impact on sleep and the amount of sleep deprivation causing major mental health concerns and, and problems um, in my experience, uh, both personally and professionally, and I'm sure this goes into the business world as well, um, is sleep deprivation. That the mm-hmm. amount of sleep that we all as humans are getting is not what we're designed to get. And there's real impact when, um, I don't know all the research on sleep, but there's some real important function that sleep provides that we as a human race now are not getting. And it has to do with cleaning up some of the toxins that build up during the day. And, you know, sleep helps us reset and recover and, and our brain cells are renewed. Um, while we're sleeping. And so if you don't get enough sleep, you wake up groggy. And it's that mm-hmm. groggy feeling where you're kind of out of it. And like, as if, you know, you're distracted. Um, and so that then, then the dominoes go, because if you're distracted and kind of groggy and you have to focus, that doesn't work well for most humans. Yes. So, and, wh- and whether you're an adult or you're a child, you keep the phone, the iPad next to your bed at night and you all of a sudden have a thought and you grab it and then get lost for an extra hour. There, go- there goes more sleep deprivation. Well, more than that, because even for the good families, good families, well-intentioned families where the phone might be away. I mean, not, again, my clear recommendation is for all of us, not that unless you're on call, um, not to have their phone in their room because you're going to multitask. Um, and even if you're not on it and you've learned to not look at it, you're thinking about what you're missing. Yeah. That's multitasking too. Cause chances are if you're 12 or 14 or whatever, your friends are up late into the night talking, playing, and you just are missing out. And so that FOMO fear of missing out that people talk about gets jacked up. And what I often say when people ask me about FOMO is, yeah, FOMO is a thing. I don't think that started with the internet, but it's really the mo. It's the mo. It's the missing out. It's the amount of missing out that our kids especially are experiencing. I'm sure you've had some of it too. If you've ever been on social media, Mm -hmm. even this morning, I had a bunch of friends on Facebook who are on vacation and what, you know, I'm on my way to a full day at the office and I'm looking at amazing desserts and, um, and, and, and beach scenes. I, I definitely um, saw some of the same pictures this morning with some of my crew. We got to take a quick break, but we will be right back with Dr. Adam Pletter, clinical psychologist and founder of iParent 101. Stay with us, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. 
Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Always Friday with me, Stephen Fry, your SMB guy. We are chatting with Dr. Adam Pletter, uh, clinical psychologist, children and adolescents focused, uh, also founder of iParent 101. Hope you guys have been listening because anybody with children, all this stuff hits home really, really home for me, having uh, two daughters that are 10 and 7. Dr. Pletter, there's there's something that I that you mentioned before that I just, I wanted to go back to for, for a moment, the idea of the brain not really fully developing until 25 to 30. And you, you mentioned multitasking and distractions and gaming. I loved video games when I was a kid, definitely a different world of them nowadays. I always, you know, used to use the excuse of it develops hand eye coordination, which I could certainly, you know, Put, put some evidence behind and all of that. But, you know, it was the average kid these days. There's, there's some statistics about this. Spends 10,000 hours of, of video game time by the time they're an adult. That, that'll make them an expert. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, just having, you know, some additional digital and screen addiction time that some of these folks might have. And I'm sure there's some type of statistics and, and studies about this out there. But in your travels, have you seen it have a have a really detrimental effect on the brain developing when it gets to the adult age? Well, I can't speak to the impact on the brain development, but on a functional level, absolutely. And the games that we, you and I played, I think I got a couple of years on you, but you know, you say it's a different world now. It, it, it's literally a very different landscape for video games. Um, and, and one of the main differences when you and I played, we would die and the game was over. Um, I remember Legend of Zelda came out at one point and there was a way to save and you could pick up where you left off and which was um, uh, amazing. Yes, exactly. I was trying to think of the right word like mind blown. Exactly. Which 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 was amazing. Um, and I referenced that with some kids and because Zelda has has continued on in different versions. Now, you know, all the games are designed that way to keep playing and keep you on there, just like all of the rest of the Internet. It's designed to keep you hooked. It's also designed um, with this theory of unboxing, um, where it's almost like a, the feeling of like a slot machine or, you know, on your birthday or Christmas morning or Hanukkah morning or wherever you open up gifts, where you have a wrapped present on your lap. And that excitement and anticipation that you're about to open up something and you're shaking it and, oh, what, what am I about to get? What am I about to see is laced throughout all of the internet and definitely any popular video game that is out there now there's this oh there's a chest there's a thing it's it explodes with something that you want it's it's exciting and it's that excitement that pulls us in um and and it obviously has major impact on again i don't like to use the word addiction that much because that has there's there's a lot to addiction yeah right that's not a new term um but it definitely pulls and encourages 
um, re- patterns of behavior that certainly look like addiction. And sometimes I will be clear and say, is addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, people use that word a lot. And I don't think there's the level of addiction that people say, or at least some people out of concern, but um, there's certainly addictive behaviors and the games are designed on purpose brilliantly to be addicting. Yeah, without a doubt. So, Doc, this is the message part of the show in our last segment here, the whole idea from Weekend Insight to Monday Impact. You've talked about a lot here today. You know, we want to give folks something that they can remember over the weekend and put it into practice, you know, come Monday morning. And, you know, it's something that I've had on my mind, and you definitely alluded to it along the way here, is I get frustrated if I see, you know, my my daughter running for the iPad every couple of minutes, and I, I might speak sternly, I might yell, and it's just not effective at all. You need to have to go to battle with a plan, a checklist, a contract, whatever it is. But, you know, what what can we leave everybody with over the weekend so that they can take some action come Monday morning? So I, I could go in a lot of different directions here, but um, I think one of my favorite sound bites uh, that I that I often say is and I say things that are both obvious and I try to come up, since I work with a lot of kids and teenagers, I try to come up with ways of saying things that sound weird and different. And so I refer to us collectively um, as the first generation of cyborgs. And, I, and I, I don't love that term cyborg, but it's weird enough that it gets people's attention. And obviously the idea of a cyborg going back to, I don't know, 1960s sci-fi or whenever sci-fi really started to take hold – um, is that it's part human, part part robot, part computer. And without overdoing it, this is my external hard drive. This is my external processor. It's my memory. It helps me function. And it helps me function at a level that when I don't have it within reach, I could still function. But I, it's harder to get places. It's harder to remember things. It's hard. Like I rely on this and... I didn't have a phone and certainly not a smartphone probably till I was almost, I don't know, mid thirties pushing 40. Right. So if you think about these young are, are the young humans on the planet have grown up with some version of this, their entire lives. So the amount of practice humans learn by doing with practice, the amount of practice that they have had multitasking, shifting, hyper-focusing on certain things, it's going to be part of who they are and how they operate. I don't see our this next generation going moving forward without some type of digital um, enhancement. Um, and I know that sounds weird and that might scare some people, but I'm not scared by that. What I'm scared by is doing that without any thought or, or um, just letting it happen. And yeah. so um, it's still our obligation as parents to parent and parenting has not changed. It's still our obligation to teach and mentor and everything you said earlier to help our children learn and grow and evolve to be the future adults they need to be. So um, that's my, that's my big push. And I've created all of these uh, different programs. I have different programs for families of divorce and, you know, there's mm-hmm. certain uh, challenges that obviously when there's two um, households, then we add a third digital space environment, how to manage that and co-parent, even for well-intentioned parents who are trying to get along post-separation divorce, having that third uh, environment where they have to manage it, not mom's house, not dad's house, but the digital world, having to come together and managing that. I have courses on um, other dysregulating disorders, ADHD, autism, spectrum disorder, um, anxiety. Um, so different, you know, you know, it's basically the same themes, but looking at different populations and how to apply this basic framework of parenting them intentionally with some effort to be proactive. So much of this is predictable. We're not shocked when our kids love being on an iPad. Um, but if we just keep nagging them over and over again, that's just noise. We become Charlie yeah. Brown's teacher and they're used to it and they've trained us to keep yammering at them. And yeah. eventually they'll get off unless you then get mad and then smash the iPad, which I do not recommend. <laughs> not 
not recommended. Totally shut us out and everything sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. You know, one of the testimonials on your site says, not only did I discover so much about what kids have access to on these devices, but it helped frame what I need to have in place to ensure they're not being exposed to content that's inappropriate or that could jeopardize their safety. Also learn the importance of establishing, communicating clear boundaries with the children around technology use. Like you just said, the stakes will get higher as they get older. So acquiring all this valuable information now, enormously beneficial, really, so that they can become the adults that you want them to become. So do I have 15 seconds? 15 seconds. Um, balance. You just said it. It Balance is not I'm balanced perfectly straight. To balance means it's a constant state of adjustment. As we are taking in new information and learning and growing, we have to adjust. And just if you're on a bike, your handlebars are not perfectly straight when you're balanced. When you're balanced, you're moving, you're adjusting so you could steer so you don't fall. Um, Because there's going to be a hill, there's going to be a turn, you're going to have to adjust and balance. Yep, which we're trying to teach my younger one how to ride a two-wheeler right now, so I could definitely relate to that. iParent101.com is the website. Dr. Adam Pletter is the clinical psychologist. He is the man. He's who you need to talk to with this. Real quick, because we're ending right now, the answers to my questions, uh, Dr. Pletter loves Nigel Tufnell from This Is Spinal Tap, from the mockumentary, love it, lead guitarist. Favorite TV shows are Seinfeld and The Office, loves the idea of pop culture, Show you know being like really referenced in these as as a point of of reference. You think about Seinfeld, you know, there's all kinds of different points of reference for pop culture. Soup Nazi, Festivus for the rest of us, and just the uh, immortal Cosmo Kramer is one of them. And uh, in the office, uh, that's what she said. Pretty much everybody can relate to that. That's what she said. I almost can't look at that. That that is bizarre looking. Wow. And then, and then, and then on the music scene, you have a bunch of different musical loves: guitar, Bruce Springsteen, piano, Ben Folds, and ukulele with Eddie Vedder. I thought that was a great answer. It's one one of his albums was ukulele music along the way. But uh, next week, into into the wild. Yeah, man. Next week, we're going to have a possible returning champion, someone who I interviewed a couple of years back who's got a new venture and going to chat with us about it here. But uh, once again, thank you for joining us here on Always Friday. Dr. Pletter, thanks so much for coming. Really appreciate having you here. Pleasure. Uh, We will see you next week, 11 a.m. Eastern time, right after Tommy D on Philanthropy and Focus. Until then, everybody. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? 
Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 